you for tuning in today. I'm really excited about this episode. I hope that you love it as much as I do. The guest today is John Farinelli, and he's just a really interesting and sweet soul, which in and of itself is wonderful. Um, but I've had a, a pretty peculiar experience with him, like a standout experience with him that really makes me kind of take notice of this episode um, in fun ways. So when I was getting ready to record with him, um, I heard a noise in the corner of my podcast room, which was weird because I knew, you know, I do have two cats and a dog and they were all upstairs and um, nobody was home. And so it, w- but it was a, a distinct enough noise that I even turned my head to look in the corner. And the only thing that was there that I could see were my crystals that sit over there. And um, of course, there wasn't anything. But it was a distinct noise, and I thought, and it just caught my attention. And then as John and I were recording, my end of the software that I used to record my my interviews just was wacky. It was just weird. I kept having technical difficulties. It kept kicking me out of the interview. Um, and, you know, he'd be in the middle of talking, and I'd just disappear and have to click back on, and I'd I'd click back in, and he's, you know, there's no problem on his side. Um, I've never had that happen, and I've been using this software for quite a while now. Um, I have a lot of experience with it, and I've never had anything like that happen before, and it happened over and over again. And so one of the, uh, it was just kind of, you know, when technical issues come up, that can kind of grab the attention of just like, hey, what's what's up here? Especially if it's something that you know I don't experience anywhere else, and then that made my editing progress uh, process just more involved, you know, because I was really having to do a lot of finagling with the um, the audio tracks to make sure that they synced up, and um, and so it just made me even more engaged with the editing process. Um, and so they were, it was just, these were all just sort of peculiar things. And then when we were finished recording a few days later, I got a a beautiful email from him and he was just really grateful to have been on the show. And he mentioned that he is in Joshua tree, California, and he wanted to send me, um, a little, uh, something from the desert there which he didn't know, but I have had this strong connection just very recently with Southern California in that area of the world. Um, I went out there at the end of August and met one of my closest friends out there, Emily. Hi, Emily. Um, And uh, we went to a, a small um, event on Big Bear. So we started in Palm Springs, and then we went camping in Big Bear, and we were with Reuben Langdon, who's been a a guest on this podcast a couple of times, Um, and we had an amazing experience. I had a sort of unexpected um, activation while I was there that I talk about in the episode with Caroline Corey. I think that's episode number 201, so that happened in Big Bear, And then I went back three weeks later to Laguna Beach 
um, for my cousin's wedding and had a beautiful few days out there. Um, I saw a shooting star, which was kind of strange circumstances for that too, to have seen that. And on the way there, I was watching Caroline Corey's documentary, A Tear in the Sky. I hadn't remembered, consciously anyway, that um, that documentary takes place in Laguna Beach. So as I'm flying out to Laguna Beach, I'm going exactly where this documentary is filmed. So that was uh, an interesting synchronicity as well. And then we tie that all back to this message from John Farinelli where he's going, hey, I'm feeling intuitive guidance to send you something from the Joshua Tree area if you're interested, which just ties a huge bow around all of these things going on in my life to do with that area of the world that are kind of folding back on themselves. So this um, is just, this episode has my attention. Um, It was really beautiful to sync up with John. It would have been anyway, but just the fact that there are these synchronicities, it just makes it even that much more special. So I do hope that you'll enjoy this episode and I encourage you to check him out. He talks about an offer that he has, a free offer for listeners. So please do check that out, johnfarinelli.com slash Kara, K-A-R-A. And now let's quickly talk about my amazing sponsors. And again, these are things that I personally use every day. So I encourage you to check them out. There's a sponsors page on my website, karagoodwin.com, and it's got the promo codes for you. And I'll also have links in the show notes. So for those of you who are interested in homeopathic remedies or you want to check them out, you've got to go to Best Made Natural Products. I use these products multiple times a day because the thing with homeopathy is that you benefit the most if you take little doses throughout the day. There are instructions with all the products that makes it really easy to understand how to use them. You don't have to worry about them because there aren't side effects like with over-the-counter or prescription stuff, Um, but you're going to get the most out of them if you take them three to four times a day. I personally have not studied homeopathy, but the things I've bought from Best Made come with instructions which include which things target which symptoms, and it makes it very easy. So you can get 10% off of Best Made products on my site. I've been using Viore shampoo and conditioner bars for about a year now. I was really drawn to trying them after considering all the plastic I use and the extra water that goes into processing traditional shampoo. And I found Viore and I loved that not only are they helping to reduce plastic and water use, but they're also supporting the indigenous tribal people of Longshin. I have found that Viore is not only doing great things to help the environment and humanity, but their products are amazing. I love the way my hair looks, feels, and smells. The products are gentle and help to volumize and strengthen hair and even encourage regrowth. Personally, I love the scent of Terrace Garden. Um, The bars are beautifully designed and even the minimal packaging is unique and gorgeous. If you're interested in podcasting, I highly recommend Libsyn for all of your podcast hosting needs. I've been using Libsyn since the meditation conversation began in 2018. It's easy to use, robust, has great functionality, and it breaks up your stats in many different ways. 
all at a really affordable price point. You can get up to two free months of podcasting service with code TMC when you sign up for a new account. Get all the details in the show notes and please enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by John Farinelli. John is a board-certified health coach who helps men take control of their lives so that they can connect deeply in their relationships and have a positive impact in the world. Since our relationships with food are extremely personal, John works with his clients to access their true authenticity and unique empowerment through experiencing the role food plays in their life and reconnecting with their intuitive guidance. John was called to this work through navigating his own chronic mental and physical health issues, which started as a child, and his curiosity has led him to explore well-being through a psychological, biological, spiritual, and relational perspective. So welcome, John. I'm so glad you're here today. Thanks, Kara. I'm really excited to be here, too. I've been looking forward to it a lot. Well, tell us about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Uh, That's a big question, and I'll try and uh, make it a little more succinct. But um, so from a young age, as I I mentioned in my bio, I dealt with uh, depression, anxiety, insomnia, and also chronic physical health issues. Mm -hmm. And that started me pretty young, being really curious, I think just about the world in general, but how to get better. And that drew me into um, like uh, psychology and uh, Eastern spirituality and meditation, things like that, into neuroscience, a little bit understanding that. And after all these years of doing that sort of research and self-exploration, I realized that there was this uh, physiological component that I couldn't uh, avoid. So that's when I started really taking uh, my diet and lifestyle into consideration. But then at that point, I was focusing purely just on the biological. And I had some massive improvements just by changing my diet, changing my lifestyle, But something wasn't quite right. And all the specialists I was seeing at the time through conventional medicine were pretty much telling me I was fine. This was in my early 20s. And, you know, it was odd to be going to all these doctors and specialists feeling horrible, you know, and have been feeling horrible a lot of my life and getting progressively worse and being told I was fine. And then that's when I found functional medicine and functional medicine, uh, the practitioner I found ran the first uh, round of blood work that they ran, found out that I had Lyme disease, that I had an autoimmune thyroid condition, uh, a chronic uh, viral infection, and an intestinal infection. You're kidding so, me. Wow. No. Yeah. So that was like very reassuring in some ways. I know it doesn't sound yeah. that way, but yeah, at, least, at least at uh, least, I was being validated. It's like, okay, you're not crazy. It's not all in your head. Um, And then that pushed me down this path further where I was really focused on like supplements and like my whole life revolved around what I was eating and the supplements I was taking, which was like grips and grips of them at very specific times of day. Um, And that, you know, that got me better to a point, but then there was a plateau and I still wasn't feeling great. 
And that's when I started doing this like deeper emotional spiritual work. You know, I've been pretty open-minded, but that's when I really started experimenting with and being open to um, like homeopathic medicine, which I was pretty skeptical of up until that point, and energy medicine. That's also when I started doing deeper emotional and spiritual work. Um, and those things put together, I felt like really were a game changer for me and really changed my life. Um, and it was interesting because I'd been doing therapy for off and on since I was pretty young. Um, but this was the first therapist. So somehow I went, you know, 10, 15 years of my life, uh, probably 10 years of my life, uh, was seeing therapists who let me just stay in my head and intellectualize everything. And this was the first therapist who actually got me feeling my feelings in my body and really like doing some deep, deep work, which mm -hmm. that piece alone, the inner, the emotional piece was massive. You know, once I started doing that work, my physical health improved so much, which was pretty wild for me. You know, I was very focused up until that point. I saw the value in um, like the mind, body, spirit approach, but I still felt like the phys physiological and the like tangible was the most important because I just hadn't seen that much effects on the like emotional spiritual side. And then at this point in my life, um, I just really got a lot of firsthand experience, which really opened my mind. And that sent me down the path that I'm on now in a lot of ways. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. There's some really fascinating insights in there in terms of, of your experience. Um, and the embodiment of the emotions really stands out for me because I, I feel like a particularly in the West, but I think it's a modern day thing too, where we're so much in our minds Yeah, and we're not dropping into the body. We think that our life is happening just from the thoughts and we miss so much because we don't have that connection. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's just very interesting because the physical was so important to you. You know, you were, you were really focused on that through your diet, through the supplements and through that whole journey, um, and lifestyle that you were saying that you made those, all of those changes to your lifestyle and so forth, but it still was a matter of like coming into the body. Absolutely. And I, I just like, I've been kind of playing around with this a little bit myself, just in like very recently where I was, uh, somebody was talking about the, the, importance of being in the heart hmm. and that coming into the heart is really just about dropping your awareness down into your heart center and then just sort of having as much awareness there at, in that part of your body as you can while you're going about doing things. And it's really interesting because of course, like I'm no stranger to like live in your heart and hmm. the important heart activations and being, you know, heart centered and so forth. But since I was, since I, um, was listening to that, I was, I've been making this conscious effort of like, okay, so what happens if I experience this, but I come into my heart space and it, it makes such a difference. It's just, and it's not, I don't know that I even have the words of how it does make a difference. It's just an experiential thing, 
but it's, it, it makes a noticeable difference. And so that's the heart part of it. But, you know, that goes for, like you're talking about feeling the feelings and the importance of, of honoring kind of what we're going through. And, and did you find anything in terms of when you were feeling your feelings, the ability to then release it? Because oh, boy. I feel like, yeah. 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 Well, it just feels like we're, we're so, there are things that we feel ashamed about feeling or we don't want to feel or whatever. And so we don't want, we deny it. Yep. And so I think that there's a part of us that thinks like, oh, well, if I indulge that feeling, mm-hmm. then that then it's going to be who I am. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do, I don't know if you have anything if that triggers anything for you, but. Oh, yeah. That's uh, thank you for that insight. And uh, if we have I'd like to circle back around to your experience of being in the heart as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as far as that goes, I am of the belief that. Uh, emotions don't go away. I think that there's this um, opinion out there that I hear a lot that emotions are like waves. And if you just let them wash over you, they like kind of come and they go. But if we're using that image of the wave, the way that I see it is if if the wave is coming and you're trying to pretend that it's not there or you're not resourced enough and you're trying to distract yourself, that wave might hit you, but you're going to absorb all that energy that that wave has. And going back to the heart-centered piece, I think, you know, a lot of times we store it in our heart. Not always. We can store these emotions in different parts of our body. Um, But it's not until we're able to witness them, I believe, and actually feel them that we can release them. And the thing about it is a lot of times these emotions happen to us, I think, when we're very young. So that wave seems a a lot bigger, a lot more annihilative than it would to an adult. Um, or they come at times when we're particularly vulnerable and that kind of puts us into that child state. So things seem bigger or maybe we're just not resourced. And that's where I think it can be really helpful when we've done more work or when we are working with a therapist or in a close um, relationship that we feel open and safe, that we're able to witness these feelings and it can be really terrifying and really scary But in the witnessing act, um, at least for me, what I'll say is I found that on the other side of it, it's never as terrifying and scary and annihilative as I thought it was going into it. And this ties into uh, the relationship with food and also, I think, masculinity as well, um, which are topics that are really important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, with masculinity, I think that there's this I don't know how how this got started or where this came from. It's probably an artifact of like, you know, warrior times when men had to be a certain way to like make sure that we all like a community or a tribe survived. Right. But we still have this, I think, outdated uh, perspective that feeling emotions for a man is somehow weak and I don't get that because it's like some of the most terrifying work I've ever done. Yes, completely. And that's what I really like to uh, reflect back to men because um, if we're in this state of thinking that it's weak that, or that they're not important, then that's like just holding holding all that energy inside and that's going to come out in ways that we don't want, right? That's going to come out in all these unconscious ways or it's going to build up to a point 
and men are going to lash out, whether that's lash out at themselves in self-destructive ways or lash out at those around them. And I see this as a lot of what's driving, you know, a lot of ills in society is um, people, especially men, just like not doing that work, not witnessing these emotions and thinking that it's it's not important or it's weak work. And I really like to spread the message and offer that perspective shift that's like, actually, the, even if you want to stick with sort of conventional uh, stereotypes and imagery of masculinity, I think that that's like one of the like toughest, most mach, machi, macho, I was going to say machismo, like macho things that you can do even from that like conventional perspective is like, you know, that's going into the dragon's lair, right? Um, yeah. 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 That vulnerability is so powerful, you know? I mean, really the vulnerability of, of actually witnessing and feeling and processing the emotions is that, I mean, that is warrior work, as you say. Um, and I wonder how much of the sort of changing of the times that we're in, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be curious because we're, I feel like we're in this time of like a new dawn where, yeah. where there are, you know, there are changes that are being made and there are people like yourself who are kind of pointing to this new way of thinking about things and, and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Being vulnerable like that, that's scary, (laughs) you know, like, and, but it's not been the tradition. I mean, like you're talking about for eons, it's been like, this is what a man is Mm -hmm. in terms of the qualities that society has determined are, you know, the, the, what would be the word, the archetypal man, uh-huh. you know, it'll be really interesting to see how, because it feels like things are happening so quickly mm-hmm. generally. So it's like, will this be one of those things that, um, that men in particular are more interested in, in exploring? I mean, I feel like it's one of those things that it's, it can't be not seen from an evolutionary, from an individual's evolutionary perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't leave that on the table and continue to evolve. You've got to, like you're, you talk about it like energy. Like if this, mm-hmm. all this energy is stored in here and it's making things stagnant and it's preventing things from opening up, it's preventing people from getting to the next step in their evolution, the next layer of expansion, it's got to be <laughs> reconciled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very limiting, I believe. Yeah. And it's limiting in pretty much every aspect of one's life that I can see. Like it's limiting in your possibility for your career. It's limiting in your intimate relationships. It's limiting even in your, like, even if you want to be a lone wolf, right? And stick with that stereotype or that archetype. It's even limiting in that experience too, because you're not actually able to fully know yourself or connect with what you truly want in this world. Um, So as long as there's this denial or this avoidance, something's obscured. And even if you're obscuring it from yourself, that's limiting your, your lived experience and the potential in your life. Not to mention if you do want to be a human being and have deep, 
meaningful relationships and connections in your life. Right. Yeah. As you're saying that, I'm kind of, because you also mentioned sort of the mind, mind, body, spirit. And, you know, if we, if we do consider that we are all of those layers and pieces, we've got the physical, but we've got the emotional, we've got our mental field and we've got the spiritual aspect to keep things simple. You know, it's like this phase lock, like we have to be and be conscious and be attuned to all of those layers so that they can join, you know, lock in mm-hmm. and and complete us so that we can be, you know, a complete version of ourselves. And, um, and so if we're leaving any of those aspects out, then it's just kind of floating out there unclaimed and it's not joining in, which doesn't, which leads to incompletion. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to tie this back to food too, because you were talking about how this, you know, this, all the, all of this, everything we've talked about so far has those big two pieces to it, the masculinity, but also the food. So let's talk about how that plays in. Yeah. So I see food not only as a mirror to uh, showing us how we are in different aspects of our lives, but I also see it as this wonderful like flashlight or lamp that can shed light on ways that we can, you know, get to the root of these things and really start uh, evolving using the language you were using earlier or growing. Um And for instance, if we are not fully aware and fully present of the role that food plays or the way that it's influencing our day-to-day lives, um, again, that's going to show up in other ways. And for instance, if you are, you know, putting out there that you're on top of your diet, you're doing like paleo or keto, like this is your lifestyle and all that, but on weekends or when no one's not when no one's around you're able to have these like crazy binges and still like maintain your physique or like still show up on your podcast or whatever it is um there's something not in alignment there right and there's also this this piece of obscuring like hiding yourself or an aspect of yourself um and i also believe that with the the way that we interact with food um because it is so multifaceted just food in general like it can play a role in our identity it can uh be a part of our culture and connection with you know our ancestry or the people in our community um it can also have religious connotations it could have moral connotations um it's, it's all these things, but it's also pleasure. And it's also the thing that sustains life. And it's also what connects us to earth and life force as well. So when you take all of that into consideration, it's very rich, right? And there's a lot of uh, opportunity for growth and reflection. And I'm of the mind that like, you know, once you start doing this work, kind of all roads lead to Rome. Right. As you start um, pulling a like untangling something here, it's going to bring up something over here. And that's an opportunity to untangle it. Well, I just really appreciate you weaving that, you know, with how all the different things that 
food means to us. You know, I haven't really thought about that before, about particularly the connection to our ancestry or the connection to um, religion, culture. And, you know, I mean, those things, I guess I've thought about them separately, but not really as like, hey, this here's this thing called food. Yeah. And then here's all the the ways that it we interact with it and that we feel about it and that it is a symbol for us in different ways. And um, of course, we have like the social aspect to it. Um, the other piece of it that is really poignant is the authenticity part mm-hmm. of it, because food can be a way that we try to get attention for ourselves, I suppose, and where it's like we're adopting some sort of a, a diet or some some sort of relationship with food, but we're doing it to project an image mm-hmm. about who we want people to think we are. Or who, or who we want to convince ourselves that we are as true, well. True, true. Absolutely. But then that it's an opportunity to reckon, you know, reconcile who we really are right now in this moment, you know, and to keep ourselves in check. And, you know, I think that's a big, a big part of personal evolution as well is that kind of validation by the external, you know, more and more falls away because it's like you say, it's also something that we have to do. We have Mm -hmm. to eat. Um, so in that way, sometimes it's just like something that we do very thoughtlessly. I think a lot of times we just do it like, oh, okay, I'm hungry. I'm getting that sensation and I don't want to get angry. So I better, I better quiet this sensation. Um, so, you know, we may just be like, it's something going on in the back for, I think for a lot of people and for me, for a lot of my, most of the time, it's just something going on in the background. You know, I don't feel like I have a, a big connection with food. So this is Mm. just very, it's a very expansive conversation for me. So I I really appreciate that. I've been a vegetarian for many, many years, for decades, but, um, but again, it's just something that like, I don't really even think about that either. You know, I just, I just do that. So I'm, I'll use my personal uh, experience as an example of this. So For me, uh, I came to this work because I was really sick and I was trying to figure out what to do. Um, So I definitely want to acknowledge people who might not have the luxury uh, of kind of thinking about food in this way. Be like, oh, how is this impacting my my personal growth or limiting my spiritual development, things like that. Um, And also, you know, totally want to acknowledge that not everyone has the same access and resources to um, to good food. Right. And it has that. that autonomy to choose in this way. Yeah. So, and that's like a whole nother bigger conversation. Um, but for now, just circling it back and keeping it with this um, authenticity piece and expressions of ourselves, um, our relationship with food and other aspects. Um, so I, I came from it to all this from like a very desperate place. You know, I was feeling terrible. Uh, I had no energy. I was getting like sore throats or strep like multiple times a year, I was sick, like two to three months out of, or two to three weeks out of every month, you know, collectively. And this was in my early twenties and this had been happening, you know, since I was a child and this wasn't normal. So I was like very, very desperate. And this was like the first time that I was like, maybe I can do something about this myself. Maybe I can resolve it because I tried herbs and all these different things. Um, 
So that led me to feverishly exploring, but also having a lot of, um, like I would find something and then that would be the answer. And I'd be so set on that. And then, you know, when that wouldn't work, I would get disillusioned and figure out it's like, oh, if I tweak this other thing, like, you know, I was doing what's called the GAPS diet. And then I like realized I had a histamine intolerance. And then I found out that I had like an issue with nightshades and like all these things. I feel like most people who go through these like healing diets, they come across any one of these. I literally had to like stack all of them. Um, But what that did is that not only put me in an adversarial stance with the world and with food, um, it also was making me isolate from other people, uh, either because I just didn't want to explain it or like so much of life at that point was connecting over food and meals. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just such a hassle to like, you know, be the one to make everyone choose a certain restaurant or I wasn't even eating out at restaurants for like a year and a half or two years. Mm-hmm. Um, or like they, someone would make something and I'd be like, Oh, I can't eat it. And then they, they'd feel bad and I'd feel bad. So I just isolated. Um, and I realized that through this process, my world got smaller and smaller and I was controlling so much of my life. And that was coming out in other aspects of my life too. Like I, I found out that at work, you know, in my early 20s, I was a chef, which is interesting too. Oh, yeah. Huh. Um, and I was just like micromanaging my workspace. I was, I don't think I was pleasant to be around because I was stressed out, taking all these supplements, was totally scared. Uh, and I think I was like, that was impacting my coworkers too. Um, so that that's one example of how, you know, once we start down this road, and it could be a chicken or the egg sort of situation, but aspects of ourselves, I think, are fractals, right? They reflect out in different ways of our lives. Um, And once I started doing this work of, you know, connecting with my intuition and taking ownership of my choices and no longer being like, okay, this thing is totally evil and will kill me if I ever come in contact with it, I could then choose if I wanted to engage with it. For instance, like gluten. Gluten was the devil. I still am gluten-free, but my relationship with it is totally different. Before it was like, this is a uh, a demon that is destroying humanity and is going to kill me. And now it's like, you know, I can eat gluten. I don't feel good, but I have that choice, right? Mm. And that's a way of reclaiming, like, I guess, empowering myself. And that's what I like to work with my clients around is like, even if there are these aspects of food that, you know, don't make you feel good or you have to avoid for um, medical reasons or even uh, you want to avoid them for religious reasons or uh, ethical reasons, but what is the reason behind it and how are you relating to it? And are you coming at it from a disempowered place or is there a way that you can step more fully into that and make it a choice, empower yourself in it, and be more in alignment with your authenticity in the process? I love that. I, I mean, flipping the script like that is so huge. It's such a big opportunity. Um, I, I would love to know where you are right now with supplements because mm-hmm. in my own personal life, like I take a lot of supplements and I'm, I'm, 
I feel like I'm right on the the edge of like in and out where uh-huh. I'm I'm very dedicated to it. Like I do take them every day. I'm not very de- dedicated about the time. Uh-huh. Um, I'll just sort of like take this one a few times a week, take that one like on alternate days, you know, and so I'm not like fully doing all of it all the time, but yeah. I'll read things or somebody will tell me like, oh, if you want to, you know, remember your dreams, take a B vitamin, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And I'm like, oh, I want to get better at remembering my dreams easier, you know, and things like that. And by the way, I did up my B intake and I did find it easier to, um, remember my dreams. So it felt like there was a diminishing return possibly, you know, where it was like, it really kicked in there for a while. And then Mm -hmm. I'm still taking the, that kind of amplified dose and I'm not noticing the benefit so much, but I, I do sort of feel like there, there that's the supplements might just be like a physical representation of things that our consciousness can do. Um, without them? I don't know. I don't know. Where are you right now with that, with the supplements and so forth? Yeah. I think you brought up a really good point with your own self-awareness, right? You're like, okay, well, I heard this B vitamin is really good for helping to recall dreams. And then you started doing the experiment and you also started paying attention. And it seems like you're in this period where you're uh, reflecting on the data and you're seeing if it makes sense to keep going, which... I think a lot of people don't necessarily get to that stage. They And I, I will say I was like that myself when I was doing all this health research. I was totally, you know, um, a zealot in some of these perspectives. And there were these um, health thought leaders that I, you know, their word was dogma to me. Um, so it's this process. It's like, okay, well, this is supposed to be good. I'm going to take it. And then there's either not that reflection period of being like, is this actually helping? It's like, I'm just going to take it because I'm supposed to, or so-and-so says I should. Um, Or there's not this other piece where it's like, okay, it was helping or it wasn't helping. How can I pivot or adjust? And I think that that's really says a lot about you and where you're at and your ability to process and think critically Um, because it's so easy to get stuck in patterns. And I think that that's what you know, a lot of the work that I do, it's all about patterns. And um, I could see that, you know, a lot of aspects about life, human life and spirituality and things like that are patterns too. But for me personally, uh, right now, I don't take any supplements. And this is coming from someone who I would literally take fistfuls of supplements multiple times a day. Wow. And there's this, it's, it's hard to speak about that period of my life with any sort of certainty or to condemn it because maybe that was really helpful in my healing or maybe it wasn't, you know, it's hard to say. Um, But at a certain point in my life, going back to this perspective that I was saying about food and like breaking out of these, these kind of fear doctrines or these uh, stances, it's like, for a while, I was like, okay, if I don't take my supplements, I'm going to die or I'm going to get even more sick or I'm going to go back to how I was before. And there was a point where I realized that I had the choice to uh, to go down that road and experiment and see and choose, you know, if I am going to get sicker and regress back, then I'm choosing that outcome and that's okay. And that's much better than staying in this place of fear and thinking that these little 
expensive pills and capsules and tablets are the thing that's um, preventing me from falling off the edge, right? And then from there, I can make that decision. It's like, and then start whittling it down. It's like, okay, if I'm, if I feel worse when I stop taking these handfuls of supplements, which supplement was it? And then I can start weeding things out. But for me, uh, you know, I kind of just stopped taking all of them. It was like a little bit at first because I was kind of scared testing the waters, but then I just stopped. And, you know, I felt the same, if not better. And Interesting. I'll occasionally take some zinc or some vitamin C or something like that. Um, you know, and if something specific comes up and I know that there's an herbal remedy or something that's helped me in the past, I'll, I'll take it. But by and large, like most of my my life throughout the year, I don't take any supplements at all. How long have you been like that? Were you, how long has it been since you stopped? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, because I could. This could have been like a week ago, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this is great. Yeah, um, and it's all still in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, this was back in 2018, I believe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a good chunk of time. It's it's very interesting because I I've I have been giving my children supplements as well. I have a 12 year old and a 15 year old, and um, and they really have helped them in in certain ways. Um, particularly, my son needed needed some. Um, extra support. Mm -hmm. And I did notice improvement. You know, there were no pharmaceuticals, but there was improvement of just his own. The way that I see it is like there, it was almost like static, like in his brain or Mm. like, like kind of like a raw sort of electrical. And it, and then the way that this probably doesn't make any, or might not make any sense, but it just feels like there's been like soothing, mm-hmm. you know, in, in like a calming and like some, um, almost like lubrication on those electrical, <laughs> uh, those raw kind of electrical, like firing that seemed to be happening. It feels like it's, there's more, more, more cohesion. So I don't know if that, because it's, we're doing like every, anytime you're dealing with an issue, for example, you're, you're usually, well, I guess for me, it's usually a multi-pronged approach. It's not just like, oh, well, I'll just take, um, ashwagandha or Uh whatever. And then that will solve everything. You know, usually it's like, okay, I'm going to, that'll be one thing, one tool in my toolkit. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it was a, a few years ago that I started giving my kids supplements, probably five years ago. And and it, it did seem to really help. And so now I'm like, well, they need omega. They need magnesium. They need, uh, for my son, he, you know, he's got really terrible allergies. So it's, I give him quercetin and, um, you know, they take like a... And, amplified vitamin C and, and all this stuff. Um, but I do feel like, okay, these things are working because we're in a good place. And so it's hard to know, like, okay, did that kind of influx of extra nutritional support mm-hmm. help them through a period that they needed that, that extra. So it could be the same with you where it was like, wow, to kind of get you over that hump, mm-hmm. like that was key to have like all that nourishment, like all your, of your cells getting all of those, you know, those things that you were deficient in 
and then perhaps like it 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 like gave you internally the ability to process or to like create that stuff on your own. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm completely making that up, but it, I mean, it's like a possibility, right? That like, okay, with continued omega-3, his brain mm-hmm. like got what it needed and then it now has what it needs to be able to do that on its own. Yeah. Or maybe he'll need it yeah. for, you know, a few more years or indefinitely, but this, right. this is where the nuance comes in. And I think that nuance is something that's greatly lacking in the, you know, our human experience in a lot of ways. Um, Cause I'm, you know, me sharing my personal experience, I'm not judging anyone who takes supplements. I also am not saying that supplements aren't helpful, right? But there's this piece yeah. around um, the individual kind of seeing the, the, the cost and the benefit. And mm-hmm. is this moving me closer towards the life that I want to be living? Is this helping me live more in alignment with my values and the way that I want to show up or is it not, or does it not matter? Because I mean, if you have a lot of money and you know, it doesn't make a difference if you pay for these supplements and you don't see a negative impact, that's one thing. Um, but if for instance, uh, I found out through taking all these different supplements, I can only tolerate one form of vitamin D and it's because of this methylation issue that I have. So the most common forms of vitamin B, B12 specifically, is uh, cyanocobalamin and, oh, why I can't think of the other one. Someone who's listening is going to be like, it's this one, of course. Um, well, I'm like really imp- impressed that you were able to say the word that you just said. Yeah. So we can just be, we'll all be, most of us will be amazed at that. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just say that I found out that if I take the wrong form of vitamin B12, I feel psychotic, like I feel crazy. And, you know, if I'm taking a multivitamin, that's the form of vitamin 12, vitamin B12 that's in it. And that's the form of vitamin B12 that's in a lot of fortified foods. So for me, if I was constantly eating these foods or taking this supplement because I thought it was good for me, maybe everything in it is helpful for me. But this form of vitamin B12 is making me angry and short-tempered and agitated I'm not going to be living the life that I want. I'm not going to be showing up the way that I want. Um, and this is where the nuance and the complication comes in because that takes some self-reflection, some some guidance sometimes. Um, you know, for me, I can only take one form, which is hydroxycobalamin, which is the most, like, least common form. But, oh, wow. but you know, I have a lot of empathy for you and your position because you're a parent, right? And you're trying to do what's best for your kids. And, you know, I feel like being a parent is such a monumental, impossible task that is like <laughs> underappreciated. And um, but that that complicates things. Right. Because you just want to be doing what's right. And also, I know nothing about the role of supplements and uh, development, like in children development. Yeah. So that's like a whole nother realm. But that's something yeah. that, uh, you know, as a parent, like someone in your position it's just like, you know, doing what you think is best, doing your research, working with a, a provider or a nutritionist or uh, a healthcare, uh, a healer of some sort that you trust um, and just making the best informed decision. So, yeah, thank you for that. I mean, that's where you mentioned functional medicine was a big part of your journey. And, and I love functional medicine. That's been 
that's the kind of healthcare that I receive and I don't go, I don't really receive a lot of healthcare. So, um, but I really love the approach of, of having like blood work drawn and then saying like, okay, well, these are the things that, you know, you're more deficient in or, or you need a boost or whatever. Um, and, and so that can be very helpful too, when you're making these decisions for your kids, if you can, if they can take the needle <laughs> to get their yeah. blood drawn. And then that's, but, that's data that you can use to inform the decisions, right? It's like, if you're right. doing this thing for the specific outcome that you can track in blood work and it's doing it, you know, great. And then, or mm-hmm. if it's not, then, you know, back to the drawing board or seeing what's, what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. I've learned so much and I really appreciate your approach and and all the work that you're doing to help people. How can people connect with you and find out more? Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, so I'm on Instagram. I kind of have a social media version, but I'm trying to get better at it. But on uh-huh. Instagram, I believe I'm at john.farinelli. And uh, my website is johnfarinelli.com. So Farinelli is F-A-R-I-N-E-L-L-I. Um, and also, I wanted to offer your listeners a special you know, meditation exploration around food. And it's something that, you know, it's... It's unique. I'm, I'm going to make it after our call and post it. But if you go to johnfarinelli.com slash Kara, K-A-R-A, uh, you'll be able to find that meditation and there will probably be like a guided PDF or something along with it too. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for that. And when you do help people, what kind of, you know, we, because we've touched on a few different topics. So obviously you um, help people with their food um, their food relationship. You're also a certified health coach. So mm-hmm. what kind of services would, would you be able to help people with or to offer? Yeah. So currently I'm doing one-on-one coaching. Uh, I'm in the process of developing a group program. I really feel like community is so lacking in this time and is a huge piece about how to heal ourselves, you know, individually and collectively. So that's something I'm working towards and see a lot of value in. Um, But, you know, I like to work around food, but at the same time, as I mentioned, like food is this gateway to some sort of deeper work. And I want to be mindful. It's like, I'm not the same as a therapist. I'm not helping people with eating disorders per se. Um, But there's a lot of richness and a lot of guidance that can come from that. And also I, I empower the people that I work with to come to their own conclusions And I think that that's the role of a good coach is to be walking alongside someone and empowering them to find their unique path as opposed to just giving them answers or, you know, putting on that expert hat and telling them, like, this is what you should do and this is why. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, John. I have really enjoyed this conversation. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.